I like this analogy of thinking about self-care, like we think about getting the oil changed in our car. So most cars need regular oil changes. I've never heard anyone apologize for getting their cars oil changed. (laughs) For some of the most pivotal years of my life, tears were tucked back and hidden behind a masquerade of being tough. Being a warrior, someone who could hustle, work hard, and get things done. But it wasn't until I started to get more in tune with who I really am that things took off in my business. Welcome to I Might Cry, a podcast exploring how heart, mind, body, and spirit are all deeply woven into the way we do business. With guest interviews from experts in business strategy, therapy, emotional intelligence, the human body, and so much more. I'm your host, Elizabeth Marks of Almond Leaf Studios. I've been capturing luxury weddings around the globe for decades and now have the privilege of educating others on how to build and grow profitable business doing what they love. I'm on a journey of self-discovery, of becoming more of the uniquely beautiful, messy, and complex human that I was created to be. And I want to invite you to do the same. Join me on this adventure of uncovering the walls we've built that keep us stuck in patterns of limitation so that we can journey into living life with arms and hearts wide open. Let's venture into this together. I am so excited today. We have a friend of mine who is also a nurse practitioner, Kate, and I have been friends and connected for many years. She has always had a curiosity around more holistic health. And I feel like it's been really fun to watch more recently as you started to really pursue that. Like you've always had this awareness about body and how the body functions and all of that, but you kind of move into more of a holistic approach. It's been really fun to see your passion, like really start to come alive in that. It's something I've noticed about you that you've paid attention to your body. Like even as I watched you going into motherhood and, you know, I think a lot of us as new moms, especially working moms, it can be really challenging to give ourselves the time and attention and care that we, our bodies are really craving, that we really need the support that we need during that. And I've, I admired and noticed that about you, like as you moved into motherhood and and with each child that you had, that you had this awareness around like what your body needed and you were able to kind of put those needs, not first, but you're able to like make them a priority as well. Whereas I know that's something I personally struggled with. So anyway, on that note, I'm really excited to chat with you today. Tell us a little bit more, Kate, who you are, what you're passionate about, how you show up bringing that passion and knowledge to the world. Elizabeth, thank you so much. I'm just really grateful to be here today. So I am a wife to Nate. I am a mom to three precious but very wild little boys who are ages <laughs> two, four, and six. I would definitely say that I'm passionate about my family and spending time with them. So professionally, I have been a nurse practitioner for over 10 years. I was a nurse for about five years before that. Like you said, I've always been interested in kind of the the more holistic side of health, recognizing that people are more than a diagnosis. They're more than just a collection of symptoms. But over the past four years, I've really delved into that professionally and engaged in more formal study. I've been studying through the Institute for Functional Medicine, which is one of the most well-recognized certified bodies for functional medicine. Functional medicine is essentially the type of medicine that looks for the root cause of disease or dysfunction in the body. So instead of treating just a symptom of high blood sugar, 
with diabetes, you would look for what's the actual root cause of the diabetes? Is it just diet? Is there genetics? Are there you know, other dysfunctions that can be addressed? This summer, I opened up my own functional medicine consulting practice, uh, which has been just so fun to put that into practice. And I work primarily with women, helping them overcome chronic health struggles so that they can feel radiant again. Really, I want women to be able to forget about their symptoms, you know, to get to a point where their body is functioning well and smoothly. And so they're not having to spend time and energy focused on managing their health problems. Yeah. I love that. Cause I do think like, even for me moving into a season of really pursuing like physical health as well, you know, even just with all that my body has been through having two kids and how that can change things and hormonally. And as I'm pursuing that, like that initial, like the newness of it can feel really overwhelming. And it feels like you're almost like a part-time job where you're like, Oh man, I gotta like, you know, keep up with supplements and start exercising and try to be more proactive about water and, you know, just all these like little things. But then I've noticed that as I continue to do that and continue to like lean into that pursuit, it becomes more second nature. And I I do, I actually miss it when I'm not doing it now. Like it's just that rhythm of creating the new habit that can be really challenging. And I've noticed that it has freed me up to be more available mentally, emotionally, physically in a lot of other areas of my life. And I'm not giving that attention to those things. So I love I love the idea of that. I love that that's like your passion in your heart is to, to free us from those things. So it's the means to the end. Yeah. Instead of like all focused on how do you do it? I want to start with maybe talking about, we've been talking a little bit off and on recently, and you said something that really stuck out to me. You said health is not only our foundation, it's also our ceiling. And I love that phrase and I've been marinating it ever since. Will you just share a little bit more about what that means to you? Sure. So this is a phrase I learned from my mentor. And to me, what this means is that health just isn't what underpins our life and supports us. It actually can determine our potential. So this doesn't mean that our worth is caught up in our health because we need to be careful that we don't mix those two. But I do think that if we're bogged down with disease or symptoms, it pulls time, pulls energy, other resources away from pursuing our passions and our goals. So for me, this doesn't mean obsessing about my health all the time. As you would imagine, that wouldn't be very fun or lead to much productivity in other areas. But it does mean that daily maintenance and maintaining health and then treating dysfunction when it does come up. Yeah. What are some examples? I'm super curious. Do you have examples of what dysfunction looks like when you're working with somebody like, can you give us a really tangible example of what that would look like? Absolutely. I I think that any sign or symptom of discomfort is generally our body kind of talking to us. So I think of things like migraine headaches or even frequent tension headaches. I think of things like heartburn, stomach aches, trouble going to the bathroom, even mood symptoms Depression and anxiety and and mental health disorders are complex, so I don't want to make them sound simple. But sometimes mood disorders like anxiety and depression are connected also. So those are some of the things that I commonly see in my practice. Yeah, I love that. I I had this experience recently where we got the opportunity to do this thing called a body scan, which I had never really done. And it's kind of a I know it's similar to like a yoga practice or meditation, even where you're kind of really focusing inward and kind of just doing like a 
a scan really of like, you know, start with your, your feet. Like, do I feel really grounded? Like notice how my feet are feeling right now. I'm like doing it as I, as I say, it. like, you know, are, do my feet feel really grounded? How do they feel? And then I noticed as we like moved up into our legs that my legs had, they felt really strong. Like I felt like I felt this like burst of like joy, like emotionally pop into my heart. And like, where I just felt this like physical, like, yes, like I'm strong and my legs can carry me. And I don't know, just this like really upbeat thing. And then we moved into our hips and like pelvis. And she was talking about how that is an area like lower abdomen, lower back, your reproductive system, all of that is like tied up and wrapped up in that area. And she was like, you know, doing the same thing, just kind of scanning it, take notice. Like, what do you feel? What do you think? And I just started crying. Like I just burst into tears and I had so much, I'm going to cry now, (laughs) so much emotion that just like welled up in me where I would, I mean, I was shocked. Like I was just kind of like, what a body scan thing. I don't know, you know, but I was like, holy crap. Like my body is literally holding trauma because I had a very traumatic birth with Dax and I think that my body has been holding on to that in ways I had no idea because I didn't know how to slow down and stop and listen and to be aware of that. So that experience for me was a, I mean, it was a pivotal moment where I realized, wow, if I want to continue to move forward in healing and health in every area of my life, not just in like moving my business forward, but that even moving my business forward and like accomplishing the business goals and dreams that I have are so deeply connected to my personal health and healing journey. And then for me, it's easy to go, you know, I'm an Enneagram nine. And so I'm all about like heart stuff and emotion and, you know, what does it feel? How do I feel? Cause I operate in that kind of like feeling center of the gut triad. And when I think about all of that, it's easy for me to, to understand and to notice the connection between emotional health and that physical but I think it's another, or even, you know, with the progress of business, but then it's another thing to kind of recognize like how they're all interconnected, you know, like there's so many facets of who we are and how our bodies operate in the world. And that emotionally and professionally, like all of it is just wrapped up in business and you wouldn't necessarily think that. So I'm curious just to, yeah, have you talk a little bit more about like emotional wounds and how our bodies can hold on to emotional <clears throat> trauma and how you see that manifest in physical. Yeah. First of all, thank you for sharing that story. It's hard, but a really a beautiful story. And hope that you are able to find some healing from his birth. Yeah. Thanks. Um, Actually, I'm going to interrupt you real quick and tell you one of the things that I've been wanting to set aside is some time for like a journaling therapy Mm -hmm. where it's trying, just trying to write out because I noticed that for me, anybody that might also have this kind of trauma that it's like, my story is very disconnected. And I have been working with somebody trying to help figure out how to, to get that more connected and aligned. And she was saying that, you know, physically, like your, your brain actually goes into this trauma and I'm totally like hijacking your response here. I realized, but it's just, yeah, it's fascinating to me how our brains actually do compartmentalize. Like I remember this specific moment and then it's like fast forward quite a ways. And then I have this like other moment and then I like don't remember anything in between. And then there's this other moment, like that's it. And so she was like, as you journal your body and your mind and heart and all start to connect and you're able to start to connect the dots moving through it, which I thought was just so beautiful. So yeah, that's one of the ways I, I'm going to pursue. I'm committing to you and to anybody listening. I will be pursuing that um, in the future. So yeah, yes. anyway. yeah, I think that is a terrific idea. Our body and our emotions really are connected so deeply. We can't separate them from each other. And I think I think we discount that a lot. A physical symptom, sometimes we th- 
you know, we think is it's just a physical symptom. It's just a stomach ache. It's just a headache. But the truth is that our emotions and our physical body are truly intertwined. So a couple of things that popped into my head when you were talking really about healing emotional wounds, movement is really huge. And I want to be careful. I'm not saying exercise. I'm saying movement. So exercise is, has an, you know, you, you move your body for sort of a purpose for weight loss or for energy. Movement is just literally moving your body in a way that, that causes your body and your emotions to connect on a deeper level. So taking a walk, for example, being outside, not trying to reach some step goal, but really walking to walk to take in the sights, the sounds, the smells, the the feel of the air. Those are the ways that really allow you to connect your emotions in movement. Yoga is also great, but I would say not sort of the more intense yoga where you're really like sweating at the end but yoga where you're moving slowly and holding poses and really, really working to connect the mind and the body, those things lead to healing. I also think that journaling, I was going to mention that as well. I think journaling is a terrific way to connect what's going on in your physical body with what's going on in your emotional self. Mm-hmm. So those are a couple things that I thought of that would be helpful for we're connecting. And then I think when the connecting happens, that's when the healing begins to happen. Healing is not fast. It is not on our timeline, but it's those little steps that we take towards connecting that lead to healing. Yeah. I love that. My brain is like swirling with a bunch of different directions that I want to go. One of them is I have had this experience in yoga a lot, like, um, you know, pre-pandemic <laughs> would be in a class and I actually really love hot yoga. And I have had like a lot of times where at the end of a class, you know, we're just like laying down and you're completely like, you know, you've just like sweated out and you've held the poses and I, I will just get emotional. Like tears will just like start streaming down my face. Like, and I'm so grateful that it's usually quiet and dark. And I'm like trying not to be the, the person in class that's like, you know, <laughs> the whole time. but it really feels like a, I mean, a really a transformative experience. It, it has felt not just emotional and physical connectedness, but like there's something even spiritual that feels connected. Like they all yeah, it's like it all is like swirling together in this like crazy beautiful mix of like somehow they're all syncing up for a moment where I think we often live a lot of our lives just simply because of the world we live in and it's so busy that we can easily start to have those different pieces of who we are feel really disconnected. And so I feel like yeah, it's like I almost have like a picture of like cords like twined up together and like they're just interwoven during that moment where I feel it feels much more like centered and aligned and you know those are like all buzzwords but yeah it's a, it's a crazy experience so yeah the other thing I was thinking of that this is a, a little different than sort of healing emotional wounds but connecting breath work to what's mm-hmm. going on in our body so you know even I, as a practitioner who believes in the power of breath work, I forget it, honestly, in my own life. And so I'll catch myself, you know, holding my breath in a tense moment or just really having a big build up of stress. But even 90 seconds of really slow, intentional breath through your nose, out your mouth has an immense impact on the body. 
It mm. lowers your heart rate. It lowers your blood pressure. It literally pushes stress away from you. And so I think breath work is really a beautiful thing that can be used as one of the components of healing from emotional trauma or, or physical trauma. But I think it's easy to forget because it's so simple. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, when you say breath work for anybody that's not familiar with what that is, I mean, you kind of said like breathing in and breathing out slowly, but is there more to it? And if are there more resources available, somebody wants to get more curious about that? Absolutely. So there are a lot of different techniques. If you just Google breath work, you'll probably have, you know, lots and lots of resources at your fingertips. But a couple of things that you could look up specifically, box breathing is one method. It's basically where you breathe in for a certain number of seconds, hold for the same number of seconds, breathe out for the same number of seconds, and then hold your exhale. And you do that for about 90 seconds. Four, seven, eight breathing is another method too. But really, you you don't even need a method to get started. You just breathe deeply in you know, breathe deeply out. That is the simplest way to get started, but you can definitely look up some more breathwork techniques if you want to learn more about it. Yeah, that's great. Let's kind of transition a little bit. It feels like a good segue into talking all about self-care, which I know is like a buzzword and, you know, it's like the mug that everybody (laughs) feels like they should have. But when I think about self-care, I, you know, for me, I am an introvert. And so a lot of times I picture like alone time because, you know, two kids and, like it's just crazy. Life is crazy and busy and full and beautiful, but I crave those like alone times or a weekend away or maybe even like a pedicure or something like that. And sometimes I think those things are what I am needing and what I'm craving, but sometimes I don't, I think it's not, it's actually a bigger, different, I don't know what word to use, but I'm learning to really try to live into that fullest expression of who I was created to be. And it requires carving out time daily and tuning into my own needs. And I feel like that has been it's been really hard. It's been challenging. I feel like that alone feels like self-care to me to like be able to tap into going, right, I need to just like spend some time journaling at the start of my work day every day or whatever, giving myself permission to spend that time in that way. Because I think it's so, so deeply connected to my worth. Like I feel like if I'm not being productive in some way, then I'm not like worthy of whatever result would I would experience. And so I've been really trying to explore some of that. I think the deeper lesson though, that underlies why it's so challenging for me is the reality that it's really hard for me to offer the same kind of love and care and compassion to myself that I am so happy and to give to the people that I love and the people around me. I can give that so easily to them. But when it comes to my own being, my own personhood, like it's just challenging sometimes. I'm interrupting this episode briefly to invite you to have a little fun with our quiz. We love a good rye whiskey Manhattan around here, and we couldn't think of a better way to integrate our love for food and cocktails into our business than to develop a quiz that will help you discover what your business is craving. What is it hungry for? We've got seven short questions to help you uncover areas of your business that maybe need a little love or a little growth. To tap through and find out your results, go to almondleafstudios.com forward slash quiz. Now back to the show. I think my question for you is like twofold. Like number one, what are some more holistic approaches to self-care? What does self-care look like? Or yeah, what does it mean to you? Let's start with that. Yeah. So I think this is such a great topic. And I would propose first that we probably need a mindset shift around self-care. So 
I think there's this culture of apology around self-care for most people, especially most women. So we'll say things like, I slept in today, kind of like, oh, oh, you know, I indulged myself and had an extra two hours of sleep in the morning instead of being able to really own that that was what they needed for that day. Or, you know, if people take their full vacation time, I feel like they might not want their coworkers to know or, you know, might feel guilty for for taking their vacation that is due them. Yeah. I like this analogy of thinking about self-care, like we think about getting the oil changed in our car. So most cars need regular oil changes. I've never heard anyone apologize for getting their cars oil changed. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Um, you know, we just do it. We're like, yeah. oh, oil needs change. We're like, oh yeah, you should do that because we know yeah. yes. We know that getting our cars oil change is what makes the car run well. It's what increases the longevity of our car. It's gonna save us time and money and other resources in the long run. I think we need to think of our bodies that way. Self-care is not this this luxury. I mean, it, it can look luxurious sometimes. I'm not against that for self-care. But I think when we think of our caring for ourselves, when we say it that way, I'm going to care for myself. Mm-hmm. We're caring for ourselves to give ourselves longevity, to help us continue to work well, to have our bodies and our minds and our emotions and our spirits continue to work at their full potential. Does that resonate with you? Does that? Totally. No, I'm like, it's kind of mind blowing because you're like, yeah, like why, what is it about our culture that I would venture to say as women specifically that we feel this like need to show up and like power through, you know, this like, I'm tough. I can be tough. I can power through. I can keep going even when I'm like running on empty, you know, like there's this, there is, there's this like cultural, you know, the hustle mentality that I've come to learn, like kind of drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. And like, I did that for so long and it did not get me into a healthy place in life. <laughs> like I hustled hard and I can, you know, I, I feel proud of like that hard worker nature that I have. And I think it's, it actually is more challenging and so much more beautiful to be trying to lean into a version of work for my professional life too, where mm-hmm. I'm like, what does it look like to get into flow and to just like allow things to happen more naturally? And if, you know, today, like I just don't have it in me to accomplish the things that need to, then I can just relax and trust that if I take that time and energy to restore the energy that I have, then tomorrow I might be able to accomplish five times more than I ever would have, you know, rather than just like trying to power through and get it done because it's on my schedule now, of course, you know, sometimes we have more luxury in that than others. And sometimes there are things you need to show up for even when you are exhausted, but I'm experiencing that. Like, it's been so amazing. So you have my mind spinning around, like, <laughs> like culturally, like, where does that come from? And I guess maybe it's something we could talk a little bit about, like, I don't know, is it because we have lived in a patriarchy for so long? So it's more of a, almost like a masculine energy of like, you got to do, 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 you know, I think back to, I want to be careful here because I want to be cautious with like how we're speaking about masculine and feminine. And I want to be sensitive to, you know, gender specifics. But I, when I think back to even like 
art history, when I studied art, you know, men were typically portrayed like being busy doing something like that's when they were celebrated. And I think it's just culturally shows you so much and how far back it goes and how deep it goes. And women were typically portrayed as being at rest. But I think in our society, in our culture right now, we've kind of business-wise, at least like professionally, we've kind of leaned into this different world where it's like, no, if you want to do it, you got to keep up with the, the men. And well, and I would argue not just professionally. I mean, I think if you look at mom culture, there's a lot of, you know, I, the more I do, the better, the more I do for my kids, yeah. the more I do for, around my house, the more I, you know, do in my community. And there's not respect for the culture of rest that we need, men and women, masculine and feminine. I think that's what's missing. And it's detrimental, I think, to our health. I'm curious, like when you begin working with somebody, you know, that is trying to have this more integrated, like fully aligned pursuit of health, like how much is rest or sleep or anything like that a, a part of that journey? So I think stress is literally an epidemic among women and probably among men. I just don't work as, as closely with men at this point in my career. But for women, I see stress as something that it almost goes unrecognized that they are living under such intense pressure. So stress is always something that I address very early on with my clients. Sleep. Also right up there, because to me, they go hand in hand. We often skimp on sleep because we're trying to be more productive, because we think if we cut corners on sleep, we can do more, we can accomplish more, we can be more. So I think they go hand in hand. Thinking about stress as an epidemic, you know, it's not as simple as telling someone to do some relaxation techniques. I think that's part of the difficulty. Really, I think it's it involves a deep mindset shift about your worth, <laughs> even how, what is the key to being productive? It's not always doing more, going harder. Maybe in the short term, that's effective. In the long term, that is not effective and not a good strategy. And so I really work with people to first adjust their mindset to help them see that their worth isn't based on how much they produce and that burning the candle at both ends actually isn't a good strategy for long-term productivity. Yeah. Uh, it's, I think it's so vital. Yeah. That's crazy. I think it's a, like when I think about like trying to sink into understanding that you are valuable, that you are loved, that you are worthy of just existing and being and being enjoyed just simply because you are and not because of what you can do. Like I've been hearing people say, you know, it's human being, not human doing. <laughs> that feels so like simplistic and maybe even cheesy, but I, I, you know, it's, it's true. Like I think for a lot of my life and I feel like a lot of people I know, we've just been raised in this culture of, you know, your value that you bring to the world is what you're able to do and what you're able to accomplish. And I think that it's just, so much deeper than that. And it's a deep, deep inner work that has to start to unfold. And I just want to say too, if anybody is like listening and feeling that, I just want to say it's not your fault and it's okay. You don't need to carry shame or guilt around that too. That's another thing that I think we can easily tack on to like, oh, well, that's one more thing I need to do or I need to work on or, you know, it feels a little bit overwhelming. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy, crazy the world we live in. And I, I would be really curious to hear somebody that like, 
just starting out with you and then like follow them like five, <laughs> 10 years later, you know, like how different their life probably is. Like, I feel like I can like see it and picture it. So hopefully dramatically different. I think my work with people isn't just on the physical symptom that they're experiencing. It really is holistic in nature. And so we're working on, you know, stress management. We're working on making time for self-care and making it reasonable. Like not, you know, we can't all take a, a week-long vacation in the Caribbean, you know, once a month. That would be nice, but it's probably yeah. not feasible for most people. But how in the day in and day out do we carve out self-care? We are working on things like nutrition and movement of the body and more in the physical health realm. But I would be I would be missing a big part of who people are if I didn't address their emotions, their spirit, their relationships. Those are all so important when we think about health and really transforming our health. I think we need to acknowledge that that's a a huge part of who we are. Yeah, I love that. I think it's interesting too to kind of picture our bodies as like a roadmap and almost to like understand physically what's happening as a representation of maybe what's possibly even going on emotionally. I think it was you that said like, you might even have this, you know, moment where let's say, you know, you traveled to your in-laws for, you know, the holidays or something and you're sitting there in the kitchen and you kind of have like a stomach ache. Talk to me more about that. Like share what your, your example was. It was so good. Yeah. So I think I was saying that, you know, if you go to your mom's house and you always get a stomach ache at her house, it could be the food that she's feeding you, but it could also be the relational, emotional components of being at her house. Maybe there is a trigger from your childhood. Maybe there is a relational issue with your mom or you know another person in the house. And so I think thinking that the stomach ache is only a physical issue might be missing out on what's really going on. You know, I, I think too, like think about going to work. So if, if someone is really exhausted, like just feels really drained when they go into their office, it could be something physical, like it could be mold toxicity. It could be something as simple as like you're in the middle of a, a cubicle and you have no sunlight for eight hours. Like that's a big cause of fatigue for some people. It could be though that there are relational or emotional issues that are going on. Maybe you hate your job. Mm. maybe that's why you feel so drained because you're doing that job for eight hours. It could be that you have significant relational conflict. Maybe you've had some sexual harassment or maybe you've had a significant conflict with someone at work. That's going to affect how your physical body feels, especially in that space where that has happened. Yeah, absolutely. What are some practical ways or really tangible things that we can all do to start to really tune into that more? Like, and notice when our bodies are trying to communicate to us, you know, like maybe we notice a stomach ache and now we're going to be a little bit more aware because you just shared that, but how else can we kind of work that awareness into our everyday lives? Yeah. So I think sometimes it's really obvious, you know, if you feel exhausted one day and you got four hours of sleep, it's probably easier to connect. Oh, I'm tired because I didn't sleep. But I think when, when we're having a harder time connecting the dots, really figuring out what's going on, Health journaling is actually a really great, very practical way to do this. So health journaling is not just journaling how you feel, although there can be a component of that as well. Health journaling is noting some really specific parameters each day. So 
some of the things that I like people to include in a health journal are what did you eat? Where did you eat? Like what location? Mm. Did you eat in your car? (laughs) Did you eat at a table? Did you eat at a restaurant? How you ate? So I think those are three really important things. How you ate is more like, did you, you know, sit down with company that you love? Did you smell your food? Did you savor it? Did you chew every bite? Or did you like scroll through Instagram while you were shoving down your you know, breakfast sandwich? So that's kind of the nutrition eating portion. Exercise or movement, I think is really important to track. What type of exercise did you do? How long did you exercise? How did you feel following the exercise? So just a, an FYI, exercise is supposed to make us feel energized. If you're feeling exhausted after you exercise, I would propose that you may need to look at what you're doing for exercise and make a change. Hmm. So those are some things to journal. And then just some other points, like how did you feel during the day physically, emotionally? How much sleep did you get? What was your kind of perceived quality of sleep? Those are all really good things to track. Just sort of put that on a piece of paper and then after a couple of days or after a week, start looking for trends. You can identify like when I eat standing up, I have a stomach ache in the afternoon. Mm. Or, you know, when I do a 45 minute spin class, I want to take a nap for the rest of the day. I don't have energy. Just things to examine. You know, it may be that like in this season, it may be that you know, gentle Pilates is actually a more nourishing form of exercise than a spin class. I don't know. It's going to be different for everyone, but putting those parameters on paper and then looking for trends can be really helpful. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit more to like how that may shift and change, not just like in a lifespan, but even like in a monthly cycle, you know, I think about like, I know for me, like there's weeks where I'm just like, I just am learning to give myself permission to not even work out at all because I feel like if I'm really tuning into my body, I really need to rest this week. Today is just not a day to push myself. And so, yeah, can you speak a little bit more to some of that too? Yes, absolutely. So for women who are not on a hormonal form of contraceptive, our hormones shift significantly through the month. And depending on where our hormones are, we will have different energy levels. We will have different openness to doing things. And so during the menstrual phase, when we're actively bleeding, really is a time to rest and almost like hunker down. And if you do move, it needs to be very, very gentle. During the follicular and ovulatory phases, those are the the phases right after you stop your period up through kind of the middle of your cycle, like day 14 for someone who has an average length cycle. Those are the days when you are gaining more energy because your estrogen is rising. You get a you know surge of testosterone, your ovulation. And so you are more into trying new forms of exercise or more energetic. And so you may want to do a really intense spin class on day you know 12 of your cycle. The last half of the cycle is called the luteal phase. That's the the phase after ovulation that leads up to active bleeding or the menstrual phase. So during the luteal phase, our estrogen drops pretty quickly, our testosterone drops, 
and we had a rise in a hormone called progesterone. And progesterone is kind of a chill hormone. (laughs) So when everything's being produced in the right amount, we shouldn't really have PMS in that phase. But it is very normal and natural to have declining energy, Mm -hmm. to feel just more introspective, to feel more kind of like you want to like draw in and nurture yourself. And so those are the times when maybe a really mind body type of exercise might resonate, like maybe like really intense strength training, like slow, where you're really having to connect your mind and your body, maybe something like yoga or bar. And you also may want to consider shorter workouts during that phase, just because your energy is lower overall. So I think the variation of our hormones is really cool. And when we learn to tap into that, it's such a power. It's not a weakness. I think it's truly a power that we have. I love that. Yeah, I love that. That's what a beautiful perspective on it. For anybody who's listening and maybe they're realizing they have some work to do, (laughs) um, they're like, oh, yeah, okay, like journaling and, (laughs) you know, maybe therapy and maybe physically too, like, or maybe health journaling. I'm curious, like, what is, in your opinion, like a great place to get started if they wanted to make like, should they just make an appointment with a general practitioner? Or is there a better way or a different way, a maybe more supportive way that you would have them take action that would be more holistic? Yeah, so I always think seeing your general practitioner is a good idea. You know, you don't want to be treating your adrenals if you have iron deficiency. And so seeing your doctor, making sure you don't have any significant abnormalities that need to be treated from a medical standpoint, I think is first and foremost what you should do. But for managing symptoms, especially those that aren't directly tied to a disease state, so maybe you're experiencing fatigue or you have a stomach ache or you have kind of tension headaches, periodic tension headaches, I think functional medicine is really the way to go. So again, functional medicine is the type of medicine that looks at the root cause of dysfunction. So it's not trying to pigeonhole someone into a disease state. It's looking for for underlying dysfunction that affects all the body systems. So I trained through the Institute for Functional Medicine. They actually have a list of certified practitioners on their website. So if you go to IFM org. You can find a list of certified practitioners in your area. I also work virtually with women and would be happy to chat with anyone to see if I can help or to point you in the right direction. Awesome. Where can people find you if they want to get connected to you specifically? So I am most active on Instagram. I'm at Kate S. Willis. And my website is katewilliswellness.com. So you can check me out on either of those places. Awesome. If there was one thing that you wish every person listening could do to better integrate their emotional, physical, relational health, spiritual, all of it, what would it be? Wow. (laughs) It's a big question. I think I would say, take the time to tune into your body and what it's telling you because it will talk. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that involves just slowing down and listening. Yeah, which is quite a challenge when in a very busy, fast-paced world that we live in. It takes a lot of discipline, at least for me, maybe not for everybody listening, but yeah, I feel like there's so much beauty and yeah, good that comes out of taking that breath and creating that space and giving permission to have that 
that slower pace. But yeah, it takes it takes a lot of attention too. It does. <laughs> it does. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for being on. I really appreciate it. It's so fun to learn some really practical ways and to kind of just get our minds starting to think. You know, I, it's interesting to me that you said so much of it begins with changing your mindset and the way that you think about your overall health and your whole the whole personhood. You know, like all of it integrating together. So. You've definitely given me some food for thought and I'm just grateful for your time and your expertise. Thanks for sharing it with us. Thanks. It was great to be here. If you enjoyed this podcast today, do us a favor and hit subscribe and then leave us a review. In fact, to celebrate the launch of this podcast, we're doing a giveaway of $100 via Venmo for one lucky reviewer each month for the first three months. All you have to do is leave a review and be sure to drop your Instagram handle in the review so we know how to get in touch. If you're looking for more, you can find us at almondleafstudios.com or on Instagram at almondleaf. Remember, you are enough. You are love, you are light, and you are worthy simply because you exist.